Good morning. It's Wednesday, August 25th. I'm Shemitah Basu. And I'm Duarte Geraldino. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. House Democrats have approved a roughly $3.5 trillion budget, but only after a lot of tense negotiations. Also at stake is a massive bipartisan infrastructure bill. For the past week, a small group of moderate Democrats threatened to block the budget. The slim Democratic majority in the House means there were barely any votes to spare. We asked Washington Post congressional reporter Tony Rahm to walk us through what happens now. Passing the budget is really only the start of the process. It essentially unlocks for Democrats this process known as reconciliation that allows them to take the ideas enshrined in the budget, that $3.5 trillion proposal, and start to write them into a fuller legislative text that they can then pass. And reconciliation here is important, remember, because it gives Democrats a way to bypass Republican opposition, particularly in the Senate, where Democrats otherwise would face a filibuster from the GOP. This tension between moderates and progressive Democrats is playing out at the same time as President Biden is trying to push his agenda forward. Moderates wanted to move forward with the bipartisan infrastructure bill first, but eventually they struck a deal to vote on the larger budget now and the infrastructure package in the next few weeks. For Democrats, this is just the first of many hurdles to clear, and there could be more inter-party battles ahead. Getting a massive reconciliation package through the Senate is not a sure thing. And Rahm explains one of the points Democrats will argue about is where to get the money from. President Biden has put forward this plan that would pay for the reconciliation package using tax increases on wealthy families and investors and corporations, essentially unwinding the cuts that we saw under now former President Donald Trump. And while there's some support for doing that, there's a lot of disagreement about how much you should raise those taxes on exactly whom that kind of keeps moderates and progressives from finding common ground right now. The U.S. Supreme Court is denying President Biden's bid to end the Remain in Mexico policy. This is a policy from the Trump administration, and it forced asylum seekers to wait in Mexico for their cases to be heard by the U.S. Vox's Supreme Court watcher Ian Milheiser is very critical of the court's move to reinstate the policy. He says the decision is not clear and goes against precedent by giving courts an unusual amount of power over foreign affairs. Milheiser closely examined the court's order. He says the text doesn't explain how the Biden administration can comply. And according to his analysis, that leaves the Biden administration with two tricky options. One, the administration could write a new memo clarifying why it ended the policy. This move might satisfy the court. But that may be tricky because, again, the court didn't really spell out what it didn't like about the administration's move. Alternatively, Biden's team could try to comply and reinstate Trump's policy. But doing that would require Mexico's cooperation. And this is the part of Milheiser's argument that the court is inserting itself into foreign affairs. This order could effectively push the Biden administration into diplomatic talks with Mexico. Milheiser worries this decision creates an imbalance of power away from elected branches of government and toward the judiciary.
More than a billion people on the planet live with a health hazard in their home. In fact, it's right under their feet. Dirt floors are common in rural parts of less developed countries. When it storms, they turn muddy. When it's dry, the dust gets in people's lungs. And all sorts of germs can collect on the ground. This has some international aid organizations zeroing in on solving one problem. How to create low-cost, health-conscious floors in rural homes. Bloomberg City Labs introduces us to Gayatri Dattar. A few years ago, she traveled to Rwanda for a university course she was taking on designing for affordability. In this East African country, around three out of every four people live in homes with dirt floors, and that affects public health. She was struck by this and saw an opportunity. So she teamed up with a classmate. They came up with a low-cost alternative to concrete. It's a type of flaxseed oil that can be poured directly over a dirt floor. It hardens into a waterproof surface. She says, so far, they've paved close to 11,000 floors in Rwanda and Uganda. In Mexico, a federally funded flooring program has paved millions of homes. And families with improved floors have reported fewer incidents of child illness. That's one reason why hard floors are so important. They're easier to keep clean, which has a major effect on kids' health. Many of these nonprofit organizations acknowledge to stop the spread of germs, households also need access to clean water and toilets. Still, having hard, sealed, easy to clean floors is one crucial part of the home health equation. Afghanistan's national team is not competing at the Paralympics in Tokyo. The athletes were unable to fly to Japan because of the Taliban takeover. But there will be someone with Afghan heritage competing, and he's got a strong chance at meddling. Abbas Karimi will swim for the refugee Paralympic team. He fled Afghanistan as a teenager. The swimmer is hoping to become the first ever member of the refugee team to win a Paralympic medal. Karimi was born without arms. Other kids bullied him, but the pool, it was his haven. He told USA Today, back then, when he would swim, he didn't really worry about the harassment. But now, he says, that fire inside me doesn't have to go towards the bullies anymore or my disability. It can go towards winning. And that's what he's done. Win, 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 landing top spots in the international ranks. When the pandemic hit, Karimi moved to Florida to do intense training for the Tokyo Games. This story makes me smile. His journey has taken him from Afghanistan to Turkey to America and now to Japan. Along the way, his dad died. Karimi is carrying his father's memory into the competition. He says, I can honor him and keep his name alive through my success. I know I can make him proud. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.